Uh, hi, my name is Peyton Thode. I am a PGY3 at the University of Cincinnati Emergency Medicine Program, and today we're going to be discussing a paper titled uh, Comparison of the ST Elevation Myocardial Infarction, or STEMI, versus the NSTEMI and Occlusion MI versus Non-Occlusion MI Paradigms of Acute MI. Um, and this is a paper that's written by Pendle Myers and a bunch of other people, including Stephen Smith, um, and we're going to get into it. So the reason we chose this paper um, is that if you've been on med Twitter at all or in the kind of like education realm of Twitter, you've, you've had this paradigm brought up of um, occlusion MI versus non-occlusion MI versus the STEMI and STEMI uh, kind of conversation. I think it's important for all of us to, uh, to kind of know what they're talking about and what's being presented when this comes up. And so this is a recent publication. We decided to go through it to see kind of what the evidence was behind this this choice of paradigm. So for the past 20-ish years, we've been using uh, STEMI uh, and NSTEMI, and patients, um, kind of the, the thought process behind this paper is that we've been missing patients that have occlusions uh, and not a STEMI. And so um, this paper, kind of the point of it was to try to look at patients that have a STEMI versus a non-STEMI to see who has an occlusion and how those patients differ. So this was a retrospective review of a patient population, a group of uh, kind of a, a group of data that was collected as part of a larger trial called the Domi Arigato trial. And so data was collected prospectively in this, but for this portion of the paper, it was a retrospective review. And the primary outcomes that they were looking at were actually infarct size um, and the time from presentation to cardiac cath. And the way they defined infarct size in this was a peak troponin. And so that a larger troponin presumably would be a larger infarct size. And so the, the study population that they selected was at one um, academic hospital uh, and all patients that presented with possible ACS. And there were actually two subgroups that they used to include in the study. Um, the first portion of this was patients that were admitted to cardiology uh, for possible ACS and scheduled for an urgent or emergent cath. And then the other group of people were the ones that came into the emergency department and, and the emergency medicine doctors actually called the intensivists to come down um, due to concern for ACS with plan for possible um, cath. And so those were the two groups that they focused on. And if you actually look at table two in the paper, um, the characteristics of these two groups are very similar. I think maybe in the STEMI group, you could say, or the STEMI negative group, you could say they were slightly older um, and a lower percentage of obesity, but really they were very, very similar. Um, and that was something that we'll talk about later in the outcomes of this. The intervention that they did, and so they took all of these, these patients and all of these charts and they reviewed them. Um, actually, EM residents did so and looked for STEMI. So they looked at all of the pre-hospital EKGs and all the information in the emergency department, and they looked through those and defined who had a STEMI um, and who did not have a STEMI. Um, and so then further to go through that, they also, so they looked at patients that came in and who got angiography and their definition of OMI was defined by the patients that got angiography or this presumed um, OMI. And so I want to go through how they defined this in their intervention. So patients that obviously had occlusion on angiography were occlusive MI patients. And then there was also this selection of patients that were included in this occlusive disease that did not have kind of a full occlusion on angiography. And so these are patients that um, had a non-occlusive lesion, but had a troponin of greater than one. And so had a infarct, um, but had no like full occlusive disease. There were also patients um, included in here that had highly elevated biomarkers and a new wall motion abnormality. 
and then anyone who had a STEMI that did not go to cath. And so that was how they included this um, occlusive disease without having like full occlusive angiography. So you know, what they found um, through this study um, is that the peak troponin of the STEMI positive occlusive disease and the STEMI negative occlusive disease were actually very similar. So the patients that had a STEMI with occlusive disease had a troponin average of 5.36, and the patients that had um, occlusive disease with no STEMI had an average troponin of 4.44. And when you compare that to the patients that had no occlusion, which was 0.12, that's a very significant difference. And so if you take this information and you say um, all of these patients that have occlusive disease have a very high troponin, while patients that don't have occlusive disease have a low troponin, then maybe we can kind of take this into our practice and say, if you have a high troponin, then you can suggest that there may be occlusive disease there. Now, something interesting about this is you have these patients, they're similar, um, but when they looked at the arrival time to cath lab, the STEMI-positive patients, um, as you know, we would expect, had a pretty quick time to cath. Um, the average is about 41 minutes, but the patients who did not have a STEMI but still had occlusive disease when they had that angio later, it was 437 minutes. And so, um, that is a very, very big difference, 437 versus 41. And so we're seeing patients that have occlusive disease that are not going to cath simply because they don't have um, a STEMI. And some of the things, so those were their two main things that they looked at. And they also looked at some kind of like, I guess like secondary outcomes or some other things, you know, apart from those two primary outcomes. They had similar wall motion abnormalities between the two. So patients with STEMIs and patients not with STEMIs, but both with occlusive disease had similar wall motion abnormalities on their echoes. Um, there were similar rates of cardiac arrest prior to cath. Um, and they were similar in hospital mortality. And so what we're, what they're able to suggest here in the results is that there are similar um, kind of adverse outcomes or mortality uh, associated with occlusive disease, but we're not necessarily treating them the same way. And so kind of going through these, this, um, you know, in the end, what they were able to suggest and kind of what the discussion was, the conclusion at the end is that we have patients that come into the hospital and they have a STEMI and we, because we have this paradigm in our brain, we say, you know what, this is a STEMI, this is occlusive disease, let's send them to the cath lab. And, you know, most of the time, that's actually, you know, a pretty good call. Most of the time they have occlusive disease. Um, but then we have this subset of patients that have like, chest pain, we're concerned for ACS, but they may have a, an NSTEMI um, and not have that classic ST segment elevated uh, myocardial infarction, and we are not sending them to cath lab as quickly as we should. And in this paper, they're suggesting that these patients have similar, you know, outcomes and similar you know, wall motion abnormalities, similar, you know, deficits afterwards. And so their kind of suggestion is that we should maybe switch our brains from thinking STEMI and STEMI to occlusion, non-occlusion, so that we get these patients to the cath lab and prevent kind of long-term effects. And so I want to go through some of the kind of like, I guess, limitations um, and some of the, you know, the good things about this study. So uh, some of the things that were, were good about this study is it was, um, you know, prospectively collected data. Uh, now, this specific portion of it kind of took that prospective data and kind of looked back into the charts. But, you know, as the data was collected, it was in a, you know, forward fashion, which was good. And all the EKG reviewers, the EM residents were blinded. Um, and then they actually had a cardiology, cardiology fellow come in and look at all of those occlusive disease after angio and look and look back at those EKGs and see if they saw a STEMI. And so there are multiple people looking through to make sure that we are getting, you know, all the STEMIs that we had um, in this data set. Um, and then this actually, if you look at kind of the characteristics of the patient, it seems to be pretty characteristic of the you know, general population, um, large number of obesity, you know, hypertension, hyperlipidemia. It wasn't like a healthy population that we were collecting, but not, you know, overtly unhealthy. So maybe a potentially like representative population. Um, some of the limitations is that uh, they didn't really look at 
you know, down the road effects. They were able to see kind of what the troponin was, what the potential infarct size was, but they weren't able to follow patients um, into the future. Uh, and so we're not quite sure if this had, you know, long-term effects. So if we we're missing those occlusive diseases, are we really seeing any like morbidity or mortality in the future? Potentially based on theirs, we're seeing um, you know, wall motion abnormalities, but does that really have any long-term effect? So, you know, really the take-home points from this is that maybe uh, we need to start switching, you know, our brain from thinking STEMI and STEMI to OMI versus, um, you know, non-occlusive MI to help get our patients uh, to cath lab in a timely manner. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another Taming the Shrew podcast. We'll see you next time. Take care.